Lauren, you, you tell me you got to pray. Will you open us in a word of prayer? Amen. Okay, well, we, we're in the book of Revelation, and what I want to do is I'm trying to just give you a, a really simple overview to kind of frame your thinking. And then we will go back through it in more detail. But if we if we start with the detail, we'll get lost. Um, but on that note, Mike, uh, you had a question. Uh, yeah, and four, five, six. Yeah, Revelation four, five, six, and seven. Okay. Mike read all, all four, five, six, and seven. And and that's it. I didn't understand. Didn't understand a single word. That's what David's here for. Therein lies. I, uh, I, well, I was trying to ask him when he got to the. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't get paid to the church. I was avoiding the question. Yeah. The, uh, here's my old theory. Uh -oh. Ever since I was a child, I always said, I don't know, but I want to know. 99% of people want to know. That's where we have this, this bond, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm asking. I read it. It's very confusing. It so is very confusing. Make it simple. Okay, make it simple. We're going to make it uh, make it simple. Um, um, one of the illustrations I use in the in the seminary, probably not a good illustration here because um, this is an older group than my seminary class. Uh, what's the movie? Somebody give me a movie that we've probably all seen. Greece. Oh no, Greece. What does that date the whole crowd? <laughs> All right. Yeah, Greece. Uh, we can do that. Um, so, so let's say that you, um, you, you're, you're surfing channels, and uh, and you, you, Greece comes on. You've never seen Greece before, but okay. Well, I'm gonna watch this. But it's already at the end of the story. It's already at the end of the movie. So Olivia Newton-John, she's got her cigarette and whatever she's doing. I'm trying to. It's been a while since I've seen Greece, but she's singing whatever. The, you're trying to figure this out, and you're trying to interpret what's going on. Well, you're going. Well, this doesn't make any sense. Well, of course it doesn't make any sense because you started at the end. You with me? All of the the man. This is pagan day. Where's the chief pagan? He's parking. Okay, good. <laughs> Good to see you guys. Um, we go way back. I won't give you that kind of um, the, the imagery in the Bible is not hard to interpret. Okay? But the imagery is developed in the story. Does that make sense? Um, and the imagery is consistent throughout the story. But if you don't know what the imagery is, and, and most of the imagery, dare I say all of it, um, is established in the Old Testament. What's the problem with that? We don't read it. So we don't know 
uh, the imagery. So in the book of Revelation, you're going to have uh, in, uh, in chapter 4, uh, it starts with this, uh, these, uh, you know, this visions in heaven and what's going on here. And, and the, the, uh, there are parts of Revelation that are, are developed in the book of Revelation. How uh, John lays out his book, that's all in the book of Revelation. Okay? What he's talking about is not in the book of Revelation. What he's talking about and what is going to happen has already been thoroughly revealed in great detail. Okay? So um, the what is going to happen is not um, the primary issue. It is how it's going to happen. Okay. It's, it's the details. Okay. The what's going to happen, that's already been established. The imagery, that's already been, uh, been spelled out in the Bible. But in every part of the Bible, the author in Exodus assumes that you've read Genesis. Right? Because the book of Exodus begins. Anybody know how it begins? It's one of the things I point out to my seminary students. It begins with a disjunctive clause, and they're going, what is that? You're going, what is that? Who cares? You can't start a story with a disjunctive clause. It's, it interrupts the story. In the first phrase, it's uh, uh, in the Hebrew Bible, this uh, book of Exodus is the, it's not Exodus, it's, uh, it's names. That's the book is called Names. Why? Because that's how the book begins. And these are the names of the sons of Israel which came out of Egypt, or, or sons of Israel that, uh, uh, that uh, were, were in Egypt. You know. Does that make sense to you? Uh, and so the story progresses and the story continues. Okay? So for example, in chapter 6, it's going to talk about these four living beings. Okay? Where did they come from? That's Ezekiel chapter 1. In Ezekiel chapter 1, Ezekiel, the prophet, has a vision into the throne room of heaven, and there are these four living beings there. Right? Um, talks about uh, the sun being uh, turned to, to black and the moons to blood. That's probably language that's more familiar to you. Why? Yeah, because it's repeated a couple times in the New Testament. Yeah. Um, in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 2, Peter's sermon, Peter quotes Joel, chapter 2, it's actually 3-1 in the Hebrew Bible, but chapter 2, end of chapter 2, uh, talking about the end of days, when the sun will be turned to dark and the moon to blood and all that. Are, are you with me? Uh, that may be a good place to, uh, to start, okay? So, uh, okay, so, so the folks that are just joining us, okay, uh, let me show you a couple things, just how the book of Le uh, Re Revelation spells out, and then I want to answer your question on, on how we're going to understand the imagery, okay? I'm going to be able to tell you what it is, but then I'll give you the places to go back. Does that make sense? To go back to see the imagery. So in Revelation chapter 1, okay, um, th this this book begins with a uh, uh, with a uh, a vision that John sees 
uh, and instructions are given, okay? And then the instructions are in 118, 119. John is told in 119, write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which shall take place after these things. Do you see that? Okay, the things which you have seen, that's chapter 1. The things which are, that's going to be the letters to the seven churches, chapters 2 and chapters 3. And then uh, write the things which shall take place after these things. Look at 4.1. Look at how 4.1 begins. After these things, I looked and behold. Okay. Now, uh, after these things, after... Uh, Turn back into the Old Testament. Turn back into, uh, we, could, we could literally go to any prophet, anyone. But uh, we'll do Joel because that's a, a book that you're, uh, a passage you're more familiar with. So go to Joel. Right, turn over to Joel. Okay, Hosea, Joel, and Amos. All right. She said she's had enough and she's walked off. Okay, Joel. Um, who is Joel and what's he doing? Okay, Joel's a prophet. What do prophets do? Old Testament prophets, yeah, they prophesy. There we go, that, that's simple. Yeah, there we go, good. Prophets prophesy. What does that mean? They proclaim the word of the Lord, okay? Uh, it can be in a... Uh, a formal, the word of the Lord came to me saying, and then the prophet proclaims it to, uh, to Israel. Um, how do you evaluate the words of a prophet? No, not necessarily. Do they match Moses? Yeah. So in Deuteronomy chapter 13, uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses gives instruction on how to evaluate a prophet. If a prophet or dreamer of dreams arises among you and he prophesies, and what he prophesies comes true concerning what he says. Yet he tells you to follow other gods, gods which your fathers did not follow, gods of the nations around you. You shall not listen to that prophet or dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to see if you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Heart and soul. Well, that's language, see, we're in Deuteronomy 13. That's actually language that comes back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Moses is writing these words. Okay, you got to go back early. Why is Moses writing these words? Because the people say, we don't want to listen to these words. Moses, you go up there, and you hear, and you come down, and you tell us, right? And the Lord says, okay, nobody touches my mountain. Don't Nobody comes up on my mountain. What mountain are we talking about here? Mount Sinai. And the Lord says, Better stay off of it. I'll kill every one of them. Only Moses comes. So Moses goes up. Uh, the Lord gives uh, his words to Moses, and Moses goes down and tells the people. And so, uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. This is chapter 6 of Deuteronomy 6 2. Uh, he continues, uh, you know, these words shall be on your heart. And you shall speak of them as you walk along the way. And, as you and, and so uh, you are not to be moved by a prophet who prophesies and what his prophet and his prophecy comes true if 
his words don't align with Moses. So every prophet that came after Moses, his words were to be judged by the words of Moses, chapter 18. Uh, now Moses is the great prophet, uh, but you're looking for the greater Moses, the greater prophet. This is Deuteronomy 18, 15. Um, I will raise up a prophet like you, the Lord says to Moses, among your people, and, and uh, you, know, you shall listen to his words. And if anyone doesn't listen to his words, now, uh, his words will match the words of Moses. Okay? Every prophet that came onto the scene, his words matched the words of Moses. They had to tell the same story. This is why by the time you get to Revelation, you should know what's going on. Okay? In Deuteronomy chapter 32, 28, 29, 30, 31, and 32, Moses tells Israel exactly how history is going to go. Uh, you're a stiff-necked, rebellious people. Uh, you will reject the Lord. You will go after the gods of the nations. And when you it's do that, uh, when you go after the gods of the nations, then the Lord will judge you per his covenant agreement with you. Um, per the curses that are spelled out in Deuteronomy chapter 28 and Leviticus chapter 26. These are the blessings and curses chapters. So if you reject the Lord and go after other gods, and that's the, the unforgivable sin. You with me? Why is that the unforgivable sin? Because there is no, there, there were other gods. There, uh, gods are called, the angels were called gods. Okay? Uh, and the gods of the nations are fallen angels. Um, but there is no salvation in any other god. Are you with me? Uh, salvation. There is no deliverance from the curses placed on creation by the Lord at the fall in any other God. He put them there, and only he can remove them through his son. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Okay. So when we say there is no salvation in any other God, it literally means there is no deliverance from the wrath of God in any other God except this God. And his wrath is appeased. His, uh, there is propitiation for the sins of Israel through, the, uh, through the, uh, the payment of Christ's blood. They were sold without money. Israel was sold into captivity without money, and they will be redeemed without money. They'll be redeemed through the blood of Christ. Is this making sense? So there is literally no salvation in any other God. So if they reject the Lord and they go after other gods, see, um, misconception. The misconception is Israel could not keep the law. They could. Um, Moses says they could. This is Deuteronomy chapter 30. Uh, this, is, this law is not too difficult for you. These commandments are not too difficult for you. Um, what Tim was talking about today. Can you love your neighbor? Can, can you look out for your neighbor? Is that just impossible? Impossible. You know, you're out there and you, you know, you're not moving your boundary boundary marker. Is that just impossible to to do? No, no, it's not. Um, uh, is it is it impossible not to kill your neighbor? 
Depends on the neighbor. <laughs> but no, of course it's not. Uh, the, prob the problem was this stiff-necked hard heart. Was there provision in the law for Israel's stiff-necked and hard heart? Sure. There was provision in the law for their sin. It was the sacrificial system. Tracking? Mm -hmm. The sacrificial system was only a placeholder waiting for the one who would come and actually remove the sin. The Old Testament sacrifices covered the sin, but they didn't remove it. They could never take away the sin. Only the blood of Christ would do that. And so as they participated in the sacrificial system, they participated by faith in the coming of the Christ. Does that make sense to everyone? Okay. And so they still had faith in the Old Testament system. They were looking forward to the coming Christ by participating in the sacrificial system. We look back to the Christ who has come, not through participation in the sacrificial system, but through what? How do we partake in Christ? In the sacrifice that was made. They participated through the sacrificial system in the sacrifice that would be made. We participate in the sacrifice that was made. How do we participate in the sacrifice that was made? Talk to me. What you got, Kunra? But what is the, the outworking of that? How do we participate in that sacrifice? The Lord's Son. The Lord's Son. From the very beginning, do you know the first time that, that bread and wine are used? No? Earlier. Earlier. Chapter 14 of Genesis. When this king priest whose name is Melchizedek, king of righteousness, comes and blesses Abram with bread and wine. The Old Testament is looking forward to this sacrifice that would come. And when it come, now the New Testament looks back to the blood and wine. Does that make sense? All that's to say, if Israel rejected the Lord, and they rejected the rock of the Lord's salvation, the provision for the Lord's deliverance. Who is the provision for the Lord's deliverance from sin and death? Christ is. And so throughout the Old Testament, Christ is presented as the rock. From the very beginning of the story, when, uh, when Jacob lays his head on the rock, has the dream of this king, this access to the father, this uh, Jacob's ladder, we call it. Uh, he has this vision of this king who is coming, and he wakes up, and it's, it's not translated particularly well. He anoints the head of the rock. Uh, listen to the word anoint. He uh, mashiachs, he messiahs the head of the rock. That's what messiah means, to anoint, to pour out. And so he has the vision of the coming king, and then he wakes and he pours out on the head of the rock uh, the, the oil of, of anointing. That makes sense? And from here on, you're looking for this rock who is coming, this stone of Israel, this rock of Israel. Tracking? 
He is the provision for Israel's sin. Tracking? Okay. If they reject the Lord, they also are rejecting the rock of his salvation. They're rejecting his deliverance, which is to come. And when they went and followed other gods, then per the covenant, God would pour out on them judgments. In Deuteronomy 26, Leviticus, uh, sorry, Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26. Basically, they were war. Foreign nations would come. They would take all your stuff. They'd live in your houses. They'd ravage your crops. They'd ravage your, you know, possessions, all this stuff. Um, and if you didn't repent, they would rule over you in the land. The Gentiles would come and rule over you in the land, right? This is the book of Judges. This is what's happening in the book of Judges. The Midianites are coming. The Philistines are coming. They're coming one after another. Israel does evil in the eyes of the Lord, follows other gods. What's coming next? Here come the Gentiles. Here comes the army, right? Here come the, listen to this, Joel chapter 1. Here come the, the, the armies of locusts in four waves. They're going to come one after another after another, and they're going to wipe you off the map. They're going to haul you next up. And then Israel would repent, back to the book of Judges. The Lord would relent. He would raise up a deliverer, a, a deliverer, a salvation person, deliverer. You think of the same word, right? To deliver them from the enemy and put them back in the land. Okay? So in chapter 4, um, you get this vision of this seal, this sealed document, Okay? What's the sealed doc? I'll get to, to Joel here. I want you to track the story. Track the story. Track the story. This is why it's hard to start in Revelation. Revelation. There's 65 books of prior knowledge you need to read the rest of the story. Israel uh, is disobedient again. Okay? And so Israel is sold into captivity. <coughs> Uh, is taken from them. In the book of Jeremiah, it is a, it's presented as a land deed. And Jeremiah is told to take the land deed and to bury it because Israel's being sold into captivity and they're not coming back for how long? Jeremiah 29.10, not 29.11, 29.10, 70 years have been decreed for you and for your people. So you're going to go, you're going, you have rejected the Lord. So I'm, I'm bringing the, the Babylonians, here they come, and they're going to haul you off into captivity and you're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. Now, this is a judgment, war, right? Um, second judgment that, that would come in Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 20, famine. What does it mean famine? How would there be famine in the land? Farmers, help me out. It doesn't rain. The rain stops, it's over. Gigs up. And no sprinkler system. The desalinization project on the Dead Sea with garden hoses running to your crops. It's just over. Absolutely. War, famine. We talked about this last week. Do you remember a, a, a story in the Old Testament where the rain stops? Elijah. Um, is Elijah a prophet because he prophesied the rain? No. Moses said, hey, 
You reject the Lord, the rain's going to stop. They reject the Lord, so Elijah goes, hey, uh, guess what? Rain's going to stop. Oh, Elijah, you're so smart. No, he's not. He's just reading it. He's sounding out the big words and reading it. So the rain's going to stop. There we go. Rain stops. You with me? War, famine, death, pestilence, all the judgments that the Lord poured out on Egypt to deliver you out of captivity, he'll pour out on you and more. Right? So war and famine and death. And so in chapter 4 of the book of Revelation, there's this landing, and it's not been executed, and it's sealed, shut. Seven seals. And who can open it? Well, think about what it is. How will Israel get to take the land back? How will the land deed be executed? It has to be opened. It has to be executed. But Israel was not getting back into the land until they do what? until they turn from following the gods of the nations and return to the Lord. That's the word. Shuv is the Hebrew word. It's returned to the Lord, and, uh, and he will return you to the land. Deuteronomy chapter 30, listen to it. When you're in the land where the Lord your God has banished you, and you call these things to mind, the blessing and the curse, which the Lord has put on you, and you return to the Lord, then the Lord will restore you from captivity. Just as your father possessed the land, so you will possess it. And he will prosper you, and he will give you a new heart, and a new spirit, and he will cause you to walk in all his ways. This is what all of the prophets are talking about. So Israel is going to be disobedient. They're going to reject the Lord. They're going to go follow the gods of the nations. What's the Lord going to do? He's going to judge them. And he says he's going to judge them for 70 years. Now, back in Leviticus chapter 26, we'll go over this every week until we get it, until I'm not getting the, I'm getting the, when I, when I stop getting these looks and I start getting these looks, like, move it along, move it along. Okay, then we'll go back into detail. You with me? Right? But if you, if you hear the story enough, it's going to make sense. Okay? So in, Deuter in, in Leviticus chapter 26, remember that's the other blessings and curses chapter. The word says, if I judge you and you don't repent, then I will what? I'll, I'll judge you sevenfold for your disobedience. He says it about six or seven times. Sevenfold, sevenfold, sevenfold. So uh, Jeremiah 29, 10, 70 years have been decreed for you and for your people. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans for a future and a hope. What's he talking about? Uh, the plan is to leave you in Babylon. The plan is to return you from Babylon and put you back in the land. Are you with me? How long will they be back in the land? How long were they to be back in the land? End of what? End of forever. <laughs> they will always be in the land. Okay, we better get this right, because otherwise we're going to miss everything. Okay. Go back to the beginning of the story. The fall, death. Okay. Was Israel believing in the Lord and in the rock of his salvation so that they would have a great life in the land then? No, they weren't. Okay. The Christ was coming not so that they would have a great life then, but they would have what kind of life? Eternal life. And what does that look like? 
Did they all die? Yes. Okay. Will they participate? Will the believers in Israel participate in eternal life? How? Resurrection from the dead. Okay. So if you're a little Jewish boy, let's say you're about six years old, so your name's Dan, and you're hauled off into Babylon. And you're over there for 70 years. Now you're, let's say you're 76 years old. Well, he walked to Babylon. And now he's going to walk back and rebuild this place. And so Daniel is now, it's the, end, it's the end of the 70 years. And he's reading in the book of Jeremiah. That's what it says in chapter 9, Daniel chapter 9. He's reading the book of Daniel, or in the book of Jeremiah, where it says 70 years. He says, all right, Lord, it's been 70 years. And the Lord says what? You didn't repent. Israel has not repented. And so, what? Seven times 70. So the clock's going to start when the decree is given by the one that I will raise up, whose name is Cyrus. He'll give the decree to return you to the land. Then the clock will start. And Daniel says, no, wait a second. King Nebuchadnezzar had these, this dream back in chapter 2 that I interpret to him, which made no sense. You know, four kingdoms coming after him. I'm going, man, four kingdoms, that's a lot of kingdoms to squeeze into 70 years. And now at the end of 70 years, we're still in the first kingdom. Come on, Lord, help me out here. Help me understand this. And then he has these visions in chapter 7 of these beasts coming out of the sea. Okay, imagery. The sea. What's the sea? What role does the sea play? The sea is where Satan comes from. The sea is where the foreign gen the Gentile nations come from. So when you're reading C in the Bible, you need to be thinking Satan's dominion, where the beast nations come from. Does that make sense? So when Jesus stills the sea and casts out demons and sends the demons back into the pigs and back into the sea from which they came, he's saying, I can deliver you, Israel. I can save you. Just like the judges of the Old Testament delivered you from the enemy, so can I. But what had to happen in the Old Testament before the judges delivered Israel from the enemy? Israel had to do what? Repent. And so Jesus' sermons and John the Baptist's sermons are the same. Guess what they are? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And do they repent? They say, no, we hate your guts. He says, okay. Then we'll let the story continue. See? Because what story? The story of Moses. Right? So Moses tells them, look, Israel's going to reject, then my remnant will take the gospel to the Gentiles. And that's what Paul's doing. Paul is taking the gospel to the Gentiles. Uh, listen to the book of Romans. For we have received grace and apostleship. This is Paul talking. For the bringing about of the obedience of the Gentile, uh, 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 the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name. Chapter 11, 9, 10, and 11, he's explaining that through Israel's rejection, the gospel has come to the Gentiles. But back to the story, okay? So we've got this land deed, chapter 4 of Revelation, unexecuted. The seal judgments, it's sealed. Who can open it? Only the lamb. How's he going to open it? What has to happen before the land deed is executed? Israel has to repent. How are we going to make them repent? War, famine, death. Seal two, three, four. Seal one of chapter six is the uh, 
this white horse rider that goes out to take peace from the land. It's translated probably, look at, look at chapter 6, verse 1. It's probably translated in your Bible, and this is unfortunate, conquering and to conquer. Do you see that? Is it, does everybody say that? This white horse rider, uh, he, he's given a you know, crown, and, and he goes out conquering and to conquer. Uh, that word for conquering and to conquer has shown up a bunch throughout the book of uh, Gospel of John and to all of the letters to the seven churches. Okay. So go back to chapter two and three. What word do you think that would be? Um, I'm sure that somebody in here has Nike shoes on. That's the word. That's the word in Greek, uh, Nike. It's overcome. Um, to him who overcomes, I will grant to eat from the tree of life. Verse 7, 2, 7, 2, 11. For he who overcomes, he who overcomes, uh, 2, 17, he who overcomes, 2, 26, 3, 5, he who overcomes, uh, 3, 12, he who overcomes, 21, he who overcomes. How does the believer overcome? The world hates me, Jesus says to his disciples. The world will hate you, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. How do the disciples overcome? How do the disciples join in Christ, in Christ's overcoming of the world? Through faith. Through faith. There's only one overcomer. There's only one conqueror in this book, in this whole Bible. And the saints overcome through the overcomer, through faith in the one overcomer. Are you with me? Everybody tracking with that? Tracking the language? Okay. Now, you've got to have some prior knowledge. Back in Daniel chapter 9. Let's go back to Daniel chapter 9. We're going to get to Joel. Yeah, we're going to get to Joel. Okay? But I've got to put Joel in the context because Joel's not, see, the, the, the Joel is not till chapter 6. We've got to get chapter 4 or 5 and later into chapter 6. So in chapter 9, uh, Daniel says 70 years. Read Jeremiah 70 years. The angel says not 70 years, 70 times 7 because you didn't repent. And then he tells him how these 70 years will go. This is in 924 and follow. You with me? Seventy-sevens have been decreed for you and for your people uh, to, to make an end uh, to, uh, uh, to the sin and to, to provide a, uh, what's the word, to provide a, a payment, a propitiation, a satisfaction. Right? Um, that uh, Antichrist is going to enter into a covenant with Israel. That's going to begin the 70th seven. The last seven-year period will begin with a an agreement, a covenant between Antichrist and Israel. It's a false peace that has been established. Is that a good peace? No, it's not. That peace needs to be taken away. And so, the white rider, the rider on the white horse, begin. That's Christ, by the way. He's going to show up in chapter 19. But he's not going to show up in 1911 until Israel repents. And so this begins the process of Israel's repentance, to take 
uh, peace from the land. How's he going to take peace from the land? War, famine, death. He's going to send all these judgments upon them, right? Um, and these are the seal judgments to get Israel to repent so that the land deed will be executed. When will the land deed be executed? When Christ returns and establishes the kingdom. Everybody tracking? Does that make sense? Okay, now, question. Conquering. He's, he's the, all the way through all of John's books. If we did a uh, a, a search um, in uh, Revelation chapter uh, six, uh, verse uh, verse two, uh, on uh, the root word uh, to conquer. Okay, and we limited our search to just John. Okay. Uh, uh, I need the root here. Um, let me do this again. Conquer. Let me do conquer because that's that's the verb. I need the noun. I used to have a software that was really good, and now I've got this junky thing. Um, Antichrist, yeah, that's very common. Uh, and the reason uh, is um, because they think the Antichrist comes first, but that's, uh, that's not, let's, let's do it this way. This software uh, stick with it. See, this is horrible. See, this breaks up the whole uh, the whole flow here. I want just just John. Actually, if I do, I can do uh, John and John's uh, all of Johannine literature. Okay, uh, it shows up eighteen times. Okay, uh, take courage, for I have overcome the world. That's Jesus. Uh, I am writing you, fathers, because you know him. Uh, from the beginning, I am writing to you, men, because you have overcome the evil one. How have these believers overcome the evil one? Through their faith. Uh, I'm writing to you, fathers, uh, let's see, uh, uh, verse 4, uh, you, are children, uh, you are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because he is greater who is in you than he who is in the world. Who is he who is in you? The spirit of Christ, who is he who's in the world? Spirit of Antichrist, right? That's four, one, uh, and following, okay? Uh, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Okay, who's born of God? The only begotten from, yeah, so all, all the way through John's, you can go through First John, all the way through the Gospel of John. Um, it's always, uh, it's always Christ. From the Lord, on Israel to get Israel to repent. There we go. All right, there we go. And these are going to be poured out in the first uh, three and a half years uh, of the tribulation. Okay? Is this, is everybody tracking? Is this making sense? Okay, now. Um, notice, uh, I wanna, I'm, back, I'm still going, I'm, I'm heading towards Joel, so stick with me. Okay? Everybody tracking so far. Everybody roll along. Just... You only have to just, just listen, okay? All right. 
2 Thessalonians. Go to 2 Thessalonians. Chapter 2. Now, in, in 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, um, Paul has uh, explained, Paul's been in uh, Thessalonians. What's Paul teaching in Thessalonians? He's been teaching leadership principles. No, he wasn't teaching leadership principles. Uh, he was teaching a sermon series on nine ways to have a successful life. That's what he was no, I wouldn't. What was he doing? He was teaching them the. These are Gentiles. They don't know anything about any Old Testament. None of the Bible. They don't know any of it. He's teaching them the story, right? And he's explained to them uh, that I do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who have fallen asleep. This is back in First Thessalonians chapter four, right? Uh, sleep. Uh, he's talking about the, the, the rapture, the return of Christ uh, for uh, the believers when they are raptured. The word rapture there actually isn't a Greek word. It's a, um, it's a Latin word that's found in 417, where it says uh, that we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. That caught up, that's rapture, raptura in, in Latin, uh, vulgar, okay? And so they misunderstood this. And so he says, oh, so let me, I'll, I got to straighten this out. So in 2 Thessalonians, he says this, chapter 2. Now, we request of you, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord, and our gathering together to him, that you may not be quickly shaken from your composure or disturbed either by spirit or by, or by message or by a letter, as if it were from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one in any way deceive you. For it... Not going to the, the Lord not come now. The day of the Lord, let's pause for a second. How the day of the Lord talked about in the Old Testament, several different ways. One way that the way of the Lord is talked, or the day of the Lord is talked about in the Old Testament, is the day of judgment. The day that the Babylonians show up on the doorstep and, and judge Israel for their judge Judah Israel for their sin, that's presented as the day of the Lord. Okay. So the day of the Lord can be the day of judgment, uh, the day of the Lord can be the Rain, not R-A-I-N, but R-E-I-G-N, the reign of Christ, the, the day of the Lord. Well, that type of thing. Uh, or the, the, the deliverance of Christ, that, the day of the Lord, the day of deliverance. Does that make sense? So the day of the Lord can mean a lot of things. But here we're talking about the, the, the day of the Lord, the, the, the reign of Christ, the establishment of the kingdom, that type of thing. Okay? The day of the Lord will not happen. The kingdom will not be established until the apostasia comes first. Now, um, there have been all kinds of teachings about what is the apostasia, the apostasy of the church, this, that, and everything. Uh, the, the, way, the reason they get apostasy of the church is because they go back to 2 Timothy. And they said, you know, in the last days, false teachers will come and they'll entice with you know, words and all this stuff. Um, that's not how apostasia, apostasia is the Greek word. And if you track apostasia back into the Old Testament, which is written in Hebrew, it's translated into the Septuagint, which is Greek. It's all over. It's the apostasia of Israel. 
as you look across Israel's history, what would be the greatest and most substantial apostasy that they could do? How about make a covenant with the Antichrist? What Paul is doing here is he's spelling out the same parts of the 70th week that Daniel has spelled out back in Daniel chapter 9. It begins with the firm, the firm covenant. That's how it's framed in Daniel. Then the abomination of desolation. That's the mid-trib point, the middle of the three and a half years. The abomination of desolation, what is that? That is when Antichrist enters into the temple and declares himself to be God. Okay, so there's the firm covenant, abomination of desolation, and the return of Christ. Those are the markers, the literary markers, or the historical markers that are foretold in the book of Daniel to be looking for. And Paul is saying the same thing, the apostasia. Then what? Then the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship. He takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself to be God. Okay, abomination of desolation. Um, and then the last part uh, is the return of Christ. The, 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 the final part of that is the, the return of Christ. I want you to turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 24. Do what? Joel's coming. Joel's coming. Okay. We're actually going to go to Matthew 24, then back to 2 Thessalonians, then probably to Acts chapter. I can't pull this off by, by actually designing it. This wasn't a, 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 something I laid out last night. This is just, walk, just I'm just telling, walking through the story. Okay, Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is lamenting over uh, the judgment that is coming upon Israel, okay, upon Jerusalem. Jesus came out. Uh, this is um, what we call the uh, Olivet Discourse because it takes place on the Mount of Olives. So those of us who went to Israel, you know where this is. He's on the Mount of Olives overlooking the city, overlooking the temple. Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to the temple uh, came up to point to the temple building and said, uh, and uh, uh, pointed out the temple buildings to him. And he answered and said to them, Do you see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone will be left upon another. It will all be torn down. <clears throat> and he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. Okay, so, so now they've left the temple. And if you've never been to Israel, it's just the walk up the hill. It'll probably take you, you're in shape. If you're like us, it might take a week and a sandwich break. But for them, it'd take, uh, <laughs> what? 20 minutes, one second, um, if you're talking and walking slowly. Uh, and he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, and his disciples came to him private and said, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? What age are we talking about? Uh, the end of the age is how it's talked about, or the end of this generation. This generation will not, that, that age or generation language, epic, generation language goes back to Daniel and it goes back to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Okay? Um, this is, uh, Israel is presented as a crooked and perverse generation, sons in whom there is no faithfulness. Israel rejects the Lord and rejects the rock of his salvation in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and this is called a wicked and perverse generation. How long does that generation last? 
it lasts as long as Israel's rejection lasts. This is the epic or the age that is in reference to. So what, what will be the end of the age, the end of your rejection, and the sign of your coming? And Jesus said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. And you will be uh, hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened. These things must take place, but it is not yet the end. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. In various places, there will be famines and earthquakes, but all these things are merely the beginning of birth pain. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all the nations on account of my name. And at that time, many will fall away and will deliver up one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. How do you judge a prophet again? You know how they mislead them? You know what these false prophets are doing? These prophets of Antichrist are doing? They're actually doing miracles that come true. That's how they mislead people. We've come to the place, just, this is a little sermon point. We'll get back to that. Uh, we've come to a place where personal experience and emotion is the validation of truth and not the text, which is why nobody knows the text, because they don't think it's any validation of truth. It's their personal experience. Okay, back to it. But the one who endures to the end shall be saved. And this is the gospel that shall be preached in the whole world, the witness to all the nations, the end shall come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken through who? See, this is nothing new. I always tell my students, if you have a question in the Bible, just turn left. Very little of it is brand new. It's all just rehashed, repeated. Have you not read? Just what Jesus always says to, uh, to the Pharisees. Have you not read? Uh, no. <laughs> well, that's a problem with us. We're a bunch of Gentiles. We don't know anything. We don't. Old Testament, who's reading that stuff? Man, that's, that's old boring stuff. We want to hear Jesus stories and then leadership principles. Leadership principles. Leadership. You want leadership principles, follow great pagan leader. He'll teach you how to be a leader. Greatest leader was Jesus. None of those leadership principles. The Jesus leadership principles will get you killed. So don't go that way. It's not going to work out well for you in this life. Eternally, yes. Temporarily, not so much. Okay. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. Let all those who are in Judea flee into the mountains. And let him who is on the housetop not go down to get his things that are in his house. And let him who is in the field not return to get his cloak. But woe to those who are with child and those who are nursing babes in those days. Pray that your flight may be in the winter, or may not be in the winter on the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as not has occurred since the beginning of the world until now, or never shall be. And unless those days have been cut short, and we already know how long this great tribulation is going to be, because Daniel's told us it's three and a half years. The tribulation is seven years. The great tribulation is three and a half years, the second half. Unless those days had been cut short, no life would have been saved. But for the sake of the elect, who are the elect? 
Yeah, when you read the Bible and you see the chosen ones of the elect, that's Israel. Okay? Those days shall be cut short. Then if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs. How about that? And wonders. For what purpose? To mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I've told you in advance. If therefore they say to you, behold, he's in the wilderness, do not go forth. Uh, if the, the Christ is in the wilderness, don't go forth. Well, why wouldn't you go forth? This is New Testament, right? This is Matthew. Okay. Old Testament was before the New Testament. See how that works? What did the Old Testament tell you about Christ's return? Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives. Zechariah 12, 13, 14. What are you going in the wilderness for? He's going to be right here. Remember when we went to Israel? Well, I think it was our first trip. First trip. See if I can get through this without getting tearing up. It was a hot day. Bus gets out. There's all these people trying to sell camel rides and little trinkets and all this stuff. It was hot, hot. And we're like, man, let's get back on that bus. Let's get back on that air conditioned bus. Let's skip all the talk and all this. Let's just get on the bus. And let's, you know, yeah, yeah, we see. I said, do you not understand what happens here? What happened here and what will happen here? This is the place. This is it. I mean, if you wanted to pick one place, this is the place. Remember in Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends to the Father. Where were they? Do you remember? Mount of Olives. And they're looking up there at the star, in the clouds, and the angels standing there and said, what are you people doing? Why are you looking in the... Do you not know that he will return on the clouds in the same way that he left? How would you know that? Well, duh, Old Testament. Coming with the clouds. Isaiah chapter 7. To the Mount of Olives, Zechariah 12, 13. See, his feet are going to hit right here. So I say we just sit and wait. Well, then about 45 minutes later, we're all dripping sweat. People are like, I said, you know, we really need to catch up with the tour. And they're like, no, let's stay. Then they got it. Does that make sense? It's the Mount of Olives. So you don't go look in the wilderness. You don't need to look in the... You'll see. There won't be any mistake in this. He's coming. His feet are going to touch down. He's going to go head north, and he's going to wipe them out. So if he's saying here he is or there he is, or just as lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so shall the coming of man be. Wherever the corpse is, the vultures will gather. What's he talking about? He's going to touch down. He's going to head north. He's going to wipe them out. You know what? The, 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 this, these are the kings of the earth. The rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against his Christ. Psalm 2, Psalm 110, Isaiah 63. Passage after passage after passage. Old Testament. He is going to kill them all. It is terrifying. They don't stand a chance. This is the biggest massacre easily in human history. 
So believers, don't make the mistake of thinking a delay in judgment is no judgment at all. He's coming. Now's the time to tell them to escape the wrath that is to come. Does that make sense? So this is all in the story. Acts chapter 1, ascension. Acts chapter 2, now Peter's preaching a sermon. Get to Acts chapter 2. So on the day of Pentecost, you remember the story. Now all the Jews, verse 5, who were living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation and under heaven. Uh, they heard this sound. When the sound occurred, uh, the multitude came together and bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. So you remember the story. Uh, the disciples are there. They hear this great sound which comes from heaven. And then they hear these disciples, each one, uh, they could understand in their own language. Why in their own language? Because they've been dispersed among the nations. They were Jews gathered back at Pentecost, but they weren't speaking Hebrew anymore. They were speaking the language of the Gentiles. This is why Ezra had to, to explain it to them because they couldn't read Hebrew. Verse 8, and how uh, it is that each hear them in their own language to which they were born, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and Mesopotamians, all the way through them. Um, both Jews and proselytes. These are only Jews and those Gentiles who've been converted to Judaism. They continued in amazement. And they asked, what does this mean? Peter taking his stand with the 11 said, men of Judea, verse 14, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let uh, this be known to you and give heed to my words. These men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. This is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. There we go, Tracy, we're getting there. Getting warmer. It shall be in the last days, after these things. Write what you have seen, things which are, and the things which shall take place after these things. In the Old Testament, that language is and after those days, or uh, in the last days, that's all the It shall be in the last days that God says, I will pour forth my spirit on what? Okay, stop right there. Stop, stop, stop. Okay, this is the problem with Bible translations, because translations are interpretations. And interpretations um, are not always faithful. Does that make sense? Let's go back. To, so let's actually go back to Joel. Turn back to Joel. So let's read what, um, what it says, and I'll pull it up here on the screen so that you can see this. Okay, so in Joel chapter 2, what's going on in Joel? Back in the story. Jump backwards in the story to, uh, to Joel, okay? Uh, Joel is a prophet, yes? Uh, and what do prophets do? They but, all, prophets always, prophets show up late in the story, okay? Prophets show up late in the story. Let me show you where they show up. Um, let's see here, desktop. I think it's general studies, maybe. There we go. Okay. I've shown you this slide before. Let me put it back up here.
See how great that works? There we go. Okay, the blue books at the bottom. These are the writing prophets. The writing prophets show up during the kingdom, right? So we've got uh, uh, transition in the judges, transition from the judges to uh, Saul, King Saul, and then to David and then to Solomon. And it's in uh, the, the kings that the prophets show up. Why are they showing up now, the writing prophets? Okay. Why are they showing up now? What are they saying? What's Israel doing? They're rejecting the Lord and they're going after other gods. So what do you think their sermon is? Repent or return or, or you're gonna be judged. For what purpose is the judgment coming? So that you will repent. And if you repent, then what? It'll all be good. The problem is, they're not going to repent. Not yet. And so judgment is pronounced. Sins are listed. Judgment is pronounced. You didn't repent. You're getting hauled off. And then the author the prophet looks forward to the last days. He says, now let me tell you about what's going to happen in the last days when you ultimately do repent. When Israel is delivered. Okay. So in the book of Joel, the locusts are coming. You're evil. You've done evil. So the armies are coming. Four armies in succession, one after another, and they're going to clean your clock. Chapter 2, verse 1. Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. Surely it is near. A day of darkness and a day of gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. As the dawn spreads over the mountains, so there is a great and mighty people like there has never been, nor will there ever be again. Okay? So this, this day of the Lord is the judgment that's been placed upon Israel. Okay? Uh, and the fire consumes them. Continues. Okay? Uh, verse 11, let's pick it up there. And the Lord utters his voice before his army. Surely his camp is very great, for strong is he who carries out his word. The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me. Sound familiar? With all your heart with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your heart, not your garments. I don't care about your torn garments. I want a torn heart. Now returns to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and relenting of evil. Who knows whether or not he will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind. So blow the trumpet. Consecrate the fast. Right? He's, he's exhorting them. Do not fear. Let's jump down a little bit. Um, verse 21, chapter 2, verse 21. Do not fear, O land. Rejoice and be glad. Okay, do not fear, O land. What land? The land of Israel, right? You see all of a sudden when you got it in context, you can just read it verse after verse. It just makes perfect sense. For the Lord has done great things. Do not fear, beasts of the field. For the pastures of the wilderness have turned green. Right? They were judged. They repented, and now restoration has happened. For the tree has borne its fruit, the fig tree. Fig tree. Fig tree always represents Israel throughout the Old Testament. Lord curses the fig tree. 
in Matthew chapter 25, it's the next, next chapter uh, in Matthew. Uh, he's cursing Israel because it does not produce fruit. But here, at the end of time, the fig tree and the vine have yielded its fruit in full. New wine. So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the day of your God, for he has given you the early rain for vindication. He has poured down on you the rain, the early and the latter, as before. And the threshing floors will be full with grain, and the vats will overflow with new wine. Then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the creeping locusts, the stripping locusts, and the mullet. What are those? Those were the armies that came in succession. Four armies coming in succession, which destroyed you. You'll be restored, and he's going to make up for it. Um, I will make up to you, verse 25. Who's the you? Um, yeah, rejoice, O sons of Zion. It's Israel. Um, my great army, which I sent among you, and you shall have plenty and eat and be satisfied. Who's the you in verse 26? Israel. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wonderfully with you. Who's the you in verse 26 there? Israel. Then my people will never be put to shame. Who's that? Israel. See, starting to see a pattern here. Uh, thus, you will know that I am in the midst of Israel, and I am the Lord your God, and there is no other, and my people will never again be put to shame. And it will come about after this. I will pour out my spirit on all. Okay, let me show you this. Uh, mankind is, a, um, is not what it says. Uh, I'm going to have to get to a Hebrew Bible to do this. Joel 2. Okay. And it shall come about after this that I will pour out uh, my spirit upon all, all. This word right here is not mankind. Man, man, the word mankind would be Adam, Adam. Okay, that's that's Bashar. You see it translated down here at the bottom, flesh. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons, plural, and your daughters. Whose sons and daughters? Israel's sons and daughters, uh, will, uh, they will prophesy. And uh, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. Even the male and the female servants. I will pour out my spirit in those days. Okay, now, stop. Pause in the discussion. Are you with me? Let's... Let's talk about Acts, Luke and Acts for just a minute, okay? Luke writes the book of Luke, the first letter, the first story, to Theophilus. Okay? And then he writes the second letter, which is the book of Acts. Are you with me? Volume 1, Volume 2, Luke writes to Theophilus. So that Theophilus would know the exact things which were accomplished among us, Luke and Paul, and Barnabas, and his group. In the first story, Gospel of Luke, us weren't there. Paul wasn't in that first story. 
Luke wasn't in the book of, uh, in the gospel of, of Luke. Are you with me? Um, you know, Barnabas wasn't there. They're all in the second story. And so he says in his introduction to Theophilus, um, just as those who were eyewitnesses handed them down to us, it seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything from the beginning, to write them out to you in consecutive order or orderly accounts, something like that. The eyewitnesses told us, we are telling you things which are accomplished among us. That's the book of Acts. Tracking? Okay. In the book of Luke, have Jewish daughters prophesied? Yes. Mary. Elizabeth. Um, uh, have uh, have sons prophesied? Zacharias prophesied. Yeah. Uh, who's the old priest? What's his name? Uh, blank. Uh, Simeon prophesied that, that you know he was told that he would not die until he held uh, Israel's deliverance. Sons and daughters are prophesying dreaming dreams and seeing visions before the great and terrible day of the Lord until the judgment that is coming. He says, and I will pour my spirit on, on, all, on all your flesh. Peter says, this is it. We have received the spirit of promise from the Old Testament given to us by Christ, not here, not in Acts chapter 2, they received the Spirit back in John chapter 20. After Christ's resurrection, he breathes on them and says, receive the Spirit. And now through the ministry of the Spirit, they, the disciples, would be Christ's eyewitnesses to the nations. Does that make sense? And so the, the, they're going, what are you doing? What are y'all doing? This is it. The story is continuing. The remnant is taking the gospel out. Because Israel killed their, their Christ. Go back to Acts chapter 2. And so the response of these men is, well, then what do we do? Okay. All right, you, you've got some Old Testament education now. What would you tell them to do? Repent. <laughs> yes, repent. And with many other words, this is in chapter 2, verse 4. So he goes down through this whole Joel chapter 2, and then uh, he continues. Uh, uh, he quotes Psalm 16, quotes uh, uh, chapter 2 of Joel. And then he says at verse 40, And with many other words, he, uh, Peter, uh, testified and kept exhorting them, the men of Israel, be saved from this perverse generation. So then, uh, so then, those who had received his word were baptized, and they were added about 3,000 souls that day. And they continued. You with me? So track along? Okay. So uh, the sun being turned to dark and the moon to blood, all of that is going to happen before the great and terrible day of the Lord and the return of Christ. This is when men are going to flee and all this stuff. And you read that in chapter 6 of Revelation. So the, the four living beasts, Ezekiel, the seals, Jeremiah, uh, the... Um, Judgments, uh, uh, Revel uh, I'm sorry, uh, Leviticus 26, Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, the um, 
the sun, the moon, Joel, it's all Old Testament. All that imagery is Old Testament. So if you don't know the Old Testament, you're going to read Jesus. What are you talking? I don't know what any of this stuff's doing. Does that make sense? Is it a little clear? A little clear? Question. They haven't yet. We are in the process. So, so where we are in the story is after the promised Messiah's of the Old Testament's appearance, death, burial, resurrection, as I witnessed by his disciples, and that eyewitness account was proclaimed by them in their day. And then after their day, before they died, they appointed elders who were to lead the church, to teach the words of the apostles and prophets, to continue the testimony of the apostles and prophets to the Gentiles in the midst of Israel's rejection of their Christ. That's where we are now. And we're told to pray for the priests of Jerusalem. Now, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. What does that look like? What has to happen before peace comes to Jerusalem? Israel has to repent. Okay, so there's things that are going to happen before the end. Does that make sense? There is a time coming when the Lord is going to return his focus to the Jews. And he's going to fulfill his promises that he made to them because that's what he does. So we're not shocked. Paul's not shocked when he writes Romans chapter 13, which preacher was preaching on today, that these foreign nations were brought in to rule over Israel as a judgment over Israel to get them to do what? Repent. To get them to repent. So they were a minister of good. You got it. You got it. Yeah. So, okay, so we tracking with the story? Making sense? Question. So, like where we are in the story now, will we know when they repent or will we know when they repent? That's um, we'll talk about the, that. I, um, that, talk, that has to do with when the rapture occurs. Will we see it or will we not see it? Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. So that's coming. We'll, 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 get to, we'll get to that. But where we are right now in the story is we're a bunch of know-nothing Gentiles. We're supposed to be know-something Gentiles. So <laughs> how do we go from know-nothing to know-something? Study what? The words of the apostles and prophets. It's the only access that we have to God's plan, God's word, so, so that if we know the story and where we are in the story, we can interpret life. Makes sense to us. You with me? Good? Say, well, man, at some point we're going to get to Revelation. Okay, well, as I told you, we're going to have to build some, some momentum so that you've heard this enough, right? So, so um, everybody's tracking when everybody's like, oh, where are and you can start like my boys. They can probably tell you this whole this whole story. They say, "Oh yeah, he's, and he's got to go to this place." 
Does he not know that he's loved us all these weeks? Right. Once you start saying that, then we're going to be good. Then we're going to, to start teaching. Good? Bless your heart with that guy. We love you, Andy. Good to see you, man. Hello, Baloo. Connect, connect. Um, let me close the word of prayer. We'll be done. Lord, thanks for our day. Uh, thank you that uh, nothing takes you by surprise. That you are sovereign in every single thing, every single action, every event. And because we have faith in Christ, we have nothing to Because the king's coming to resurrect from the dead, to give eternal life. But while we're, while we're here, Lord, help us be faithful. Share the good news of the Christ who has laid down his life for us, has ascended to your right hand, where he waits for your enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. And in the midst of uh, this delay, Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which was given to his body, the church, for the building up of the body, so that each individual, through the ministry and work of the Spirit, can serve the body of Christ until his return. So for all that, we give you great thanks in his name. Amen. Thanks, guys.